Drive into left center, and what a play made by the rookie Brian O'Grady. Pitch. Oh, into right field. Brian O'Grady, first big league home run. Fly ball, center field struck well. Marisnik going back at the wall. Gone! Welcome back, Brian O'Grady. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 43 of Breaking Bats, presented by Not For Long Media. I'm your host, Brian O'Grady, and with me, as always, my co-host, Justin Ayers, J.A. We talked a lot last night. Your durs beat my birds. It was a bunch of bullshit. But anyway, what's going on, man? How you doing? Hey, man. Yeah, it's it's a great time to be in the, in the DMV. All I have to say is left hand up, who are we, the commanders? Am I right? I'm not even really a Commanders fan. I'm a Taylor Heineke fan, so I want that on the record. But I'm enjoying the ride. It was a hell of a game, Monday Night Football. That's this is, These are the moments we live for. First of all, it was not a hell of a game. It was an awful game. But <laughs> in all seriousness, it was the, the, the Durs executed basically flawlessly after that first possession, ran the clock, you know, ran the ball. It was it – was, not even frustrating for me to watch as a, as an Eagles fan. It was boring. Like it just, I've never seen a team run for like four yards on first down, three yards on second down, and then get like a floating eight yard pass or like another four yard run for the first down, just like all the way down the field, just like the <laughs> entire time. And they, I mean, I forget what the stat was for their third down conversions, but it was like unbelievable it was, was it, like it was six like, for seven in the first half yeah dude it was ridiculous it was every time i'm like they can't stop them and it was just like four yards a clip the whole way down the field and i'm like this is the most memorable thing i've ever watched and obviously a couple you know missed call there on the face mask whatever Watkins fumbles but your boy heineke who great story i i root for him myself sure he's a great dude when they called that penalty on the last play of the game and he got up and went first down, like he just did the most amazing thing ever. I wanted to rip my TV off the wall, <laughs> jump through it and punch him in the face. Cause, Oh, I hated that so much because it's just, well, don't tackle him. That's big brain stuff. Right there. They barely hit him first of all, but second of all, he started And my thing was he, Started to like kind of like get up like he need, right? But it was kind of like a little quick, and then he was like starting to get up. And in the heat of the moment, you know, I just don't think you can expect a guy to totally shut it down and, and not try to touch him or anything. But whatever. Commanders played good. The Eagles, I'm glad they lost the game, but they weren't they didn't want him to go 17 and 0 because 16 and 0, whatever the hell it would be these days but curse that's just bad that's just bad yeah juju right there but yeah definitely didn't think they were gonna lose monday night at home to the to the durs but maybe that's even maybe that's even a better wake-up call that they needed but um so whatever congrats to you i was tweeting it sucked everything sucked and there's receipts i'm talking shit and i was wrong great love it you had one tweet where it was, I went and liked it. It was like, it was like the ultimate old takes exposed. 
What did you say? <laughs> You're like, they're going to come back and win or something. I said, I said the commanders like couldn't have played a better half and they're still going to be losing after the first possession of the second half. Yep. <laughs> Eagles, Eagles proceeded to, Eagles proceeded to go three and out like that. And I don't even, I forget if the Durs scored right after or not, but it's just, yeah, it was, didn't work. All it's I have to say my is, time, dude, leave me alone. All right. I got to, yeah. I'm, I'm a father now. All right. Oh, look, I only liked it. I, I could have like quote tweeted it and dunked on you, but I didn't. And that's called friendship. Um, but the, the, my favorite part of this whole thing was, was not the, I mean, obviously the fact that they won, but it was, it was the after the game stuff where Heineke had every single defensive members chain on and he had on the plane. He had the, the cool thin glasses and he was drinking a bush light. The bush light. That made me like him even more when I saw the bush light, the bush latte sitting in his, in his hand. Double fist, double fisting bush latte with like, 30 pounds of chain, just vibes, man. I don't know. Although it's weird to think that uh, they're flying from. I was just going to, I was just going to say like a 45 minute flight from fucking DC to Philly. I know it's such a short one, but hey, whatever. Good for them. Whatever. Good for the Durs. Birds will be fine. Whatever. Durs makes me laugh every single time. Football's stupid anyway. Who likes football? Not me. Wait till next week when the Colts beat that ass. (laughs) <laughs> you know it's it's, it's sad because i've you know i'm kind of rooting for jeff saturday and i'm gonna sit there and probably watch the eagles dismantle that squad but you know saturday will be all right saturdays are for the boys um <laughs> but it's a great look this is the best part about like this time of year is like we have a little baseball news sprinkled in on top of uh some football stuff so um we'll uh we'll have yeah, a lot of football down. talk yeah, and that was football talk. See, who says we can't do it all? Get you a podcast that can do both, baseball and football. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, before we get to the little there's... baseball news we're going to sprinkle in here uh, on our football pod masquerading as a baseball podcast, um, this episode is brought to you by our friends at Psalm Sleep. Are you having trouble getting enough sleep at night? Are you like Brian? Are you staying up too late to watch the, the Eagles lose to the Durs? Uh, because Psalm Sleep has you covered. Scientifically advanced Psalm snack includes ingredients that are naturally found in your body like GABA, magnesium, and melatonin. Sleep is the best form of recovery, and it has helped people everywhere take their game to the next level. All you have to do is drink one serving just 30 minutes before you go to bed, and your body will naturally calm itself down. Other sleep supplements leave you feeling groggy in the morning, but not Psalm sleep. Go to getsom.com, click shop, and enter the code BATS, B-A-T-S, at checkout for 10% off of your entire order. All right, uh, baseball news. Baseball, it's slowly doing its award season. It's being played up big time if you're watching the MLB Network right now. Uh, so this week, we're taping this on Tuesday. We've had the AL and NL Rookie of the Year. And we had and tonight on Tuesday, we had the AL and NL Manager of the Year. Uh, let's start with the Rookie of the Year, though. We had Julio Rodriguez. I, I think most people thought Julio was probably going to take it home. Adley gave him a good run for his money, though, in terms of voting. Um, so Julio is the third rookie ever to have 25-plus homers and 25-plus steals. Uh, Adley finished second, then Stephen Kwan finished third. Um I mean, there was no doubt. It was always going to be Julio Rodriguez, right? I mean, that guy, everything we've, we've been talking about all year, it's the most electric player I think I've ever seen. Um, I mean, he was that, – that's your AL rookie of the year. Yeah, he had it. He was so good this year, man. <clears throat> I know it's a regular season award, but into the playoffs too. Um, Stephen Kwan from the, the Guardians was, was awesome quietly this year too, but uh, just – not the impact that I think Julio had. Julio's going to be a superstar if he's not already. Um, and that centerpiece there in Seattle for how I don't know, 14 years, whatever it was they signed him for. But 
Yeah, man. Sorry to to those other guys. Adley too. Obviously, it was was awesome. But man, had to be Julio from start to finish. Right, it had to be Julio, the the NL Rookie of the Year, though. Uh, it's a great time to be an Atlanta Braves fan because the top two finishers were Michael Harris, who took the who took home the award, and then Spencer Strider finished one two. Um, that's 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 a great like debate to have. I feel like where it's like Strider and Harris. I mean, you can make cases for both of them. Um, would you have gone Harris over Strider, or would you have flipped it? No, I would have kept it with Harris. I thought he was nasty and just. Provided that team with a lot, with a with a big spark because earlier in the year they weren't very good, and I don't know what exactly what the numbers were or the the wins and losses were since he came up and from Double A by the way, okay. but he definitely helped turn that team in that season around, and he made some great plays in center field too. Can go and get it. I mean, he's another guy who's going to be a very good player for a long time. But the uh, you know Strider, not to take any way. Th- anything away from him he was dominant too when he was out there but Harris is out there doing it every day you know Strider does it every day that that he was asked but Harris man I I just think the impact and and the numbers it was just he was just too good man he was he (laughs) out of nowhere I just think it's so impressive both those guys the, the Braves man what a you said it what a good time to be a Braves fan and they're just locking these dudes up left and right. And that core is they're going to be a very good team in the playoffs, making noise for years. It's it's I didn't realize. So Harris only played in 114 games, but he had a 5.3 war. And like with the, with team options, they could have him potentially until 2032. So um, that's Michael Harris is so sweet. That's, that's gotta be so cool to have him patrolling center field him and Acuna out there. I mean, that's, yeah, we, we can go on doing it, man. gushing over the Braves today. Um, manager of the year, AL, Terry Francona, NL, Buck Showalter. I love, I think this is the perfect, perfect pair. I, I think Francona, the, the, the Guardians this year with everything going on, they changed their name. They had the youngest team in baseball. Their team was younger than most AAA teams. And then they go out and they, they took the Yankees to, to five games in the division series. That's, that's one of Terry Francona's finest managing jobs. I know it didn't end in a World Series ring, but we're going to look back and, and we, we need to appreciate this season more, I feel like. He's an outstanding manager and has been for a very long time. Definitely the vibes and just the way he guided that team absolutely have played a huge role in, in their success and what they did this year. Yeah, how young some of those guys were out of nowhere to uh, – I can't really complain about that. We talked about this with our our guest tonight, which we'll get to. Uh, but I thought that Hyde from the Orioles probably should have should have won it, just because the expectation, like it was just there was nothing there, and it, what a great season it was, and, and they were really in the running for most of it. But at the same time, I can't complain about Terry Francona again. You're absolutely right. I just remember it might have been in like our preseason predictions at the beginning of the season. We're, we're both going back and forth. We both love the White Sox. I think as did most people before the season started. Are like, oh, it's the White Sox division. You know, the Guardians. It might be an afterthought. They only really have two established guys in Bieber and Jose Ramirez. It's like, oh, what what could these guys like accomplish? And they go from was it eighty wins last year to ninety two this year. It's like pretty good. So uh, I 
Guardians fans are, are very lucky that they have Terry Francona as their manager because no matter how bad the product on the team is, he Terry Francona can can make it even better. Um, you know, Hyde Hyde was great. Hyde, Hyde finished in second. Not a big Brandon Hyde guy, but uh, you know, you can't argue with the results. That's it's a hell of a turnaround in Baltimore. So no doubt. Well, maybe RDT talked into it a little bit more, but yeah, yeah. Congrats, congrats to the Guardians. Hyde, yeah. maybe Hyde will get it next year. Yeah, who never never know. Buck Showalter. Yeah. I'm a Buck. I'm a Buck Showalter guy. That's my Orioles manager. Buck's uh, Buck's a panhandle guy, so he uses a Richie Bat Fungo. So shout out Buck. Congratulations on the manager of the year. I believe I saw it was the fourth time he's won it. Yep. In the, with a fourth different team in a fourth different decade. Yep. I believe was the tweet I saw, which is fucking bonkers. So. Good for him. That's awesome. Obviously, didn't end the way they wanted, but um, seems like he's the guy to to lead the Mets to the promised land here. It's crazy. Yeah, ninety four, two thousand four, and two thousand fourteen were his previous three. So, I mean, that's just what are the, what are the odds of that? Wow. Um, you you got to be a good you got to be a good manager to do that. You got to be able to connect with players. So think about that. He's been doing that. It's that long. He's been connecting with dudes from those different eras. I mean, that it really is. It's amazing. The fact that the Mets last year, they went from 77 wins last year to 101 this year. I think the biggest thing that, that Mets fans can like look forward to is just like a return to normalcy, the winning ways. The culture was changed by Buck Showalter, and that's really what he's done his entire career. It's like every, you look back at, at Buck's entire managerial history, it's like he goes to the Arizona Diamondbacks, helps establish a winning culture there wins a world series the year after he left which isn't great um but you know the rangers got them back on track the orioles took them from a dumpster fire to the most wins in the al in like a four-year stretch so this guy he changes the culture wherever he goes so um it's mets fans are very very lucky that uh that buck is at the helm although buck i would like a little less coming out of the dugout to argue about your guys getting hit because not all of those were intentional so just turn that down just a little bit in year two in New York. I don't know. That's, that's the only complaint I have. So that's, he's just that's protecting true. his guys. He is we'll just see. protecting his guys. That's you can always just say that, but uh, all right. So um, let's talk about, there's a couple teams this off season that are wheeling and dealing and could potentially be doing a lot more wheeling and dealing. The first one is Tampa Bay race. Uh, they've been a lot of rumors this week. So they have already, they already traded G man Troy to the pirates. They cleared his four and a half million dollar salary, but by doing that, they just created a hole at first base that they now have to fill. I'm looking at like some of these free agent first basemen. There, there's a lot of like you know quality veteran talent out there. You, you see guys like Brandon Belt, Josh Bell, uh, Jose Abreu, which I feel like would be a great fit in Tampa. Um, but despite all of that, the the big rumor with the Rays in first base is Brandon Lau moving to first. Um, so would that would that make sense? Would you know you could have uh, was it Isak Paredes play second base full time? Have Lau play first? Yeah, he could do something like that. I mean, Lau, the power numbers are there, so he could probably profile as that. He's he's had some injury problems this year, and I think in general, B. Lau has had some injury problems, so maybe playing first instead of second would let him be on the field a little bit more. Um, they also, you know, Yandy Diaz could play some first, but they have not been shy about sticking guys at first base. I think uh, Nelson Cruz, they wanted to stick at first. Um, you know, just – I don't know. I guess they feel that they, if the guy's somewhat athletic enough, that they can teach him how to how to do it, and just say, "Hey, listen, you don't got to be a hero. Just 
stand right here, get to the bag and catch the ball, you know, like simple. So if they think that those guys can hit, that's all they really care about. But it's typical Rays, man. You know, they, they, they just have so many quality players year after year coming through that pipeline that they have to make these trades to alleviate some of that. And then just, it's just part of what happens. It happened to me. Not saying that I was the best player ever, but it's, it's just, it's what, you know, for me, it was Josh Lowe's coming, you know, it's just part of what happens there. So they, uh, that's how they do it. That's how they stay with that payroll. And you see these te- other teams are out there trying to grab these dudes. You know, you don't see any other organizations that are trying to get picked like like the Rays are. So I don't know what their plan is, but I promise you they have one, and they're going to be right back in the middle of everything this next year, just like just like they have been for however many years it is now. It's an interesting strategy. Um, I don't know. I kind of like the fact that that when healthy, Brandon Lau can hit you like thirty bombs at second base. I feel like first base is always one of those positions where, like, if you need one, free agency. There's a ton of cheap power, which I feel like the Rays really, really needed. Because I'm looking at their 2022 team. Their their yeah, home run leaders were Isak Paredes with 20 and Randy Rosarena with 20. The entire yeah. team. So the most anybody had on the team was 20. So it's like, could they go out maybe in free agency and try to find somebody that could hit 25 to 30 bombs? I would like to think so, right? I mean, that's that would probably help, you know, especially during – and the big thing with them in the playoffs too was, right, how can these guys score runs? I don't know. Power hitting corner infielder probably help. So – You're um, right. No, that's a, that's a great point. You're you're absolutely right. Maybe they think, you know, Bilal it, – it is interesting because I think he hit 40 last – not this past season, the year before, or right around there. So you're, you're right. He's got the juice – to do it how many you hit 39 39 so he can do it you're right but you know it it each team looks at it different like you see some teams are going with a guy who's a little more athletic than that traditional you know donkey first baseman who just hit homers like like you would think before so maybe they think they can get a little more defensive value out of the first base position if Belau's there and they can still get some homers or you're right maybe they go after um Jose Abreu or somebody like that and go for it that way. But again, you're absolutely right about they need some power, more power in that lineup. They're missing Bilal for most of the year and then Zanino, who hit 30 something two years ago, too, who was hurt <clears throat> all year. They absolutely need to inject some homers in there somewhere. So that could be a perfect way to do it. Yeah, I just I feel like that's Jose Abreu is the one I have in my brain that I could already picture him in a Tampa Bay Rays uniform. He is the perfect he's getting up there in age you could probably get him for like maybe a couple years not going to cost you like too terribly much so um that's my official that's my official prediction for jose breu um the other thing when we're talking about the tampa bay rays is that like they're rumored to be wheeling and dealing some of their pitching i mean they already have they already made three kind of smaller moves for for arms or traded some of their arms away um but the big one is, is that they're dangling tyler tyler glass now out there apparently um does that make sense did they do they have enough like of a stockpile of arms you think to kind of be dealing from a a position of surplus? It makes sense in terms of the Rays philosophy and what they've done in the past. I don't think he really replaced Tyler Glass now, but uh, getting a bump in pay this year and then a big bump in pay 
I think next year, or it might be this coming year. Uh, he's about to make a lot more money. So that's typically what they've done in the past. They definitely have arms. They have, uh, you know, obviously Shane McClanahan now and then uh, Rasmussen. And I don't even think Patino threw that much for them this year. Really, that's they had. They definitely have some uh, have some guys they can piece together. Uh, again, none of which are Tyler Glass now, but maybe they think the value they can get for Glass right now and, and piecing that together is, is more worth it. They know they have another kid named Taj Bradley coming up through the pipeline who's supposed to be a, a stud. So maybe you see him at some point this year. I don't know. I would, I would I'd be surprised to see them trade Glass, but at the same time, that's what they did with Snell. It's just kind of how it's gone. So definitely wouldn't rule it out. And I'm sure they would get back some quality players for him. What do you think? I, I just looked up Glassnow's contract details. So 2023, he has like a five and a $5.3 million salary. 2024, it's 25 million. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of where they're, they're looking at that increase in pay. They're staring down the barrel of paying him like four times the amount they're paying him right now. And they're like, Ooh, or could deal him and get, a bunch of guys also i just looked up taj bradley this guy's a stud so he's that's just gonna be another like top of the rotation starter so that's cool <laughs> yeah so they you know my guess man i mean i don't know the last guy that raised paid 25 million dollars to i can tell you that for a year i can tell you that much so yeah. going based off history it would probably be more surprising to see them keep glass around yeah than it would the trade them right but Glass is a stud. If you think your team can can win the World Series, it's probably a guy you want on there, right? Yeah, I mean that's 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 your playoff starter right there. That's your game one playoff starter. So um, him and him and Shane, righty lefty, you know, in a playoff series, man, that's a pretty good one two punch right there. Yeah, damn, yeah, it's the Ray, The Rays. Okay, so I, I changed my mind. The Rays do have just an embarrassing amount of good talent. It's. It's it's shocking how everybody else is is not to the point where they are. It's like chess and checkers. It's insane. Um, the other team I wanted to talk about though was the Chicago Cubs. So uh, they've been rumored. They've they've actually been one of the, like the most active teams. If you if you put any stock into rumors from guys like Ken Rosenthal and and John Morosi and all this stuff, where it's like, so John Morosi reported on Saturday the Cubs have spoken with Carlos Correa, Trey Turner, Xander Bogarts, and Dansby Swanson, all four. All, all of the big shortstops we talked about last week, the Cubs have been sniffing on every single one of them, um, which is just weird. It's like it's like at the bar, you see like the guy going up trying to talk to every group of girls. It's like, all right, man, just you know, maybe maybe hone in on, maybe try to focus in on on maybe one of them. Don't have to just go shotgun approach for this free agency market like the Cubs are doing. So, um, but Cubs haven't been very good the last couple of years. They went seventy one and ninety one in t- two thousand twenty one, seventy four and eighty eight in twenty twenty two. What what should their plan of attack be? Can they spend their way out of their, their recent struggles, you think? I think they got to. I think uh, that's what they do. They have that kind of money. You're playing in Wrigley and everything like that. Those fans expect to see a solid product on that field now. So if you go out and get one of those big guys right there, you're right back in the thick of things in terms of attracting free agents. People already want to go there and play in Wrigley and, and do that. So – you know, if you can pay Carlos Correa, it just kind of signals the start of it. And you, you piece it together from there. And I don't think they're that far away uh, from from really doing it if you can start with a piece like that. But 
I, th- I just don't see them as a as a team that's going to totally rebuild and just tank and try to work them first rounders through the system. No, they're going to – maybe they get one or two of those guys, but they're going to try to get Carlos Correa. They're going to try to get, you know, someone else in the outfield, a pitcher, and try to get back that way for sure. They definitely have some upcoming payroll flexibility. So they, they released Jason Hayward with $22 million left on his contract. Um, so this this is a uh, kind of a bitter end to that eight-year, $184 million deal he signed before the 2016 season. Um, but their payroll flexibility, so in 2019, they were third in payroll. They had $200 million payroll in 2019. But this past year, they had 14th most uh, payroll in baseball. It was 143. So there's a lot of room. There's a lot of meat on that bone where they can go out and sign, you're right, one of the big four shortstops, an arm, you know, some outfield help. Or they just lock up some of their own, you know, Wilson Contreras, Ian Happ, these guys shed the tears thinking that they're going to be dealt. And then after the deadline, they're like, wait, what? We're, we're, we're still here. So could do that. I don't know. That's wouldn't be the worst idea. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure both those guys would be open to it. I think, I mean, I don't think Hap's, I think Hap still has a year left, but Contreras is definitely a free agent. Obviously would be a good guy to bring back right there, but you know, he's going to make some money too. I guess it just depends how they want to allocate those resources, but they, they're not a small budget team. That place is packed. And when that team is good, it's, it's sold out every game. So they put a good product on that field. It's going to get paid for itself. And they do have a couple other pieces. So I'm definitely interested to see, see what they do, but I, I would, I know what these, what the reports are saying, but I definitely see them as players in, in this agency. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just very telling that free agency is like less than a week old. And it's like, you can, you can basically put the Cubs linked to every single big free agent. So I would like to see them get Aaron judge. Let's, I haven't heard that rumor yet, but maybe we can start here on this podcast. I think the Cubs are in on Aaron judge. Um, Cause why wouldn't they be right? If they're in on everybody else, you have to think that they're like, let's bring this guy in. Makes sense to me. You should tweet it. Breaking <laughs> all caps. I wish uh, I wish Twitter Blue was still around, where you can get a blue check mark and make it look like you're like a legitimate news source. It's like per sources. It's like, oh damn, this guy's you, like a blue check. You are a legitimate news source, Jay. So you oh. should do it. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, did, uh, as a longtime blue check haver, when you saw all these other people getting the blue check, did that? The, like, was there a little air of like, what the hell? Does I earn this? Yeah, I, I mean, not that I earned it, but. I was, I think I, I forget it was just some, you know, a random person and I saw the blue check on what they tweeted. And I'm like, oh shit, who's this? Oh, yeah, it was a yeah, guy with like 112 followers. Oh, my God. Yep. Just somebody, somebody who bought, you know, it wasn't anything from like a trusted source or something. I'm like, shit, they got me. So, yep. but hey, if you want a blue check next to your name on, on Twitter, I, you, know, you should be able to buy it. I think you can buy anything, right? Yeah, I mean, I've been waiting for for Elon to give the go ahead to, to green light the, the the blue checks again because I, I I was like on the fence. It's like ah, eight dollars a month is kind of a lot just for a, a blue check, but um, now I kind of want one just because like you always want what you can't have. So yeah, yeah. stay woke out That's there funny. too. Don't don't get don't get got by any fake blue check marks trying to tweet out something. For the record, I was like, shit, is mine going to go away? And then I have to pay for it now. And I think. I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure I would have. I, sh- I would have went back and paid for it. I think I would have. Think I would have spent the eight dollars a month on it. 
What uh? Do you remember the first day you got the blue check? Yeah, it was sometime in the when I was in the minor leagues, and I was like, "Oh shit, got it! Wow, hit the big time! This is cool. Probably gonna have a million followers in a couple of days." Didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, it's it, the the OG blue checks are the best. Yeah, it. Uh, I I applied for the OG blue check like five times, trying to claim I was a notable person. Didn't get it. So that's bullshit. I know. I'll have to talk to Elon. I'm a legend in my own mind. Um, all right, right. So that is kind of all we had for kind of like, you know, breaking down some of the biggest news. There's been some other minor free agent signings to this point. Rizzo back to the Yankees, Anderson, Tyler Anderson going to, was it up the, I, whatever the interstate is in LA, he goes from, uh, Chavez ravine to down to Anaheim. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I didn't really have a ton on that. We talked about that a little bit before and we both were just kind of like, you know, no offense to good for them Tyler Anderson or the angels, but just feels like a candidate to not be very good next year after he signs with the angels. Cause that's just how the angels fortunes kind of roll. <laughs> they love, they love buying high. It's like me in the stock market. Every time I'm like, Oh, this thing's popping yeah. off. Buy it at the peak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So hopefully that's not what happens. Yeah. But yes, something to watch for sure. We're rooting on him, rooting for him. Uh, all right, so uh, two last things, and then we'll get to our interview for this week. Uh, we have our Fudgy and Awesome Moment of the Week. Our Fudgy Awesome Moment of the Week is brought to you by our sponsor, the original Fudge Kitchen. They ship sweet treats and fudge all over the country. You can find them at fudgekitchenswithans.com. Stuff is amazing. Finally ran out of it about a week ago. Keeps you full for a couple of weeks. Definitely worth it. I just talked Jay and Jay into buying some possibly as Christmas gifts here because who wouldn't love fudge for Christmas? Sure, Philly listeners, if you find yourself down there this off season, they have locations in Stone Harbor, Cape May, Wildwood, North Wildwood, and Ocean City. They ship all over the country, and you can order from Fudge Kitchens with an S.com. All right, our fudging awesome moment of the week this week. Uh, Jeremy Pena, been on a hell of a run. World Series MVP, hell of a season in his rookie year. Obviously, all the, the accolades that came with that. But I think he has a, a, another accolade to add to his long list of them. Uh, he made a lot of people's day. So he worked the drive through window, and I think he worked the counter at a Raising Cane's in the Houston area. Um, I, I know what Raising Cane's is. I've just never been to one. It's not really a mid-Atlantic, northeast thing, I feel like. Although it's coming soon. So uh, I will finally get to be able to experience the the world famous chicken tendies they have. But um, I always love seeing these like athletes working the window, celebrities like doing the drive through thing. It's uh, as somebody who uh, my college job was Chick Fil A. It's tough. It's uh it's no joke working uh working uh, quick service. It's not fast food. It's quick service. So um, my pleasure. Yeah. Yep, it's, you're big that, my pleasure guy. That was burned into my brain for an embarrassingly long amount of time it just i think i finally just recently kicked that habit where it's no wonder you you love chicken nuggets so much chicken tendies it's it's like stockholm yeah which is <laughs> all i knew it's all i i was i was born in the darkness of chicken tendies so um <laughs> molded by it that's some good stuff though yeah, yeah good for uh good for paying you that's cool i'm sure all that dude there was a lot of people there when they were showing the cameras and people outside there, that place was packed. Yeah. I mean, packed. So good for him. It's probably a madhouse. He probably was like, get the fuck out of here. But it was, uh, I'm sure 
it was fun for a while and all the people liked it. And now you can go and I don't know, sit around and do nothing for a while and just be like, yep, World Series MVP. I did it. Cool. What's the longest you would wait in a drive through line? Oh, that's a great question. I think it depends on circumstance, you know, and restaurant. Like, what do you, am I star? Am I starving? You know, haven't eaten all day, coming back from, you know, whatever, something like that. I don't know, man. I'd probably wait about 45 minutes, I think. That's but then the problem is, is like, you get stuck. You can just yep. get stuck. Can't get out. And you got nowhere to go. So you might not even, might not be up to you how long you're waiting. It's out of your hands. Yeah. You're just, well, here, here we go. It is what it is. That's like, uh, I mean, Chick-fil-A drive throughs are always really bad. I feel like in this, especially like right in a big city, you'll be, you'll be camped out there for 25, 30 minutes. But what's the one out in California? Was it in and out burger? In and out. Yeah. Where the drive through is just like, it stretches from like downtown LA out to like Orange County. I feel like. Yeah, dude, there's some definitely some some tough ones out there. People love it. I don't know. And, you know, the service isn't super quick there. I feel like Chick-fil-A does a pretty good job of moving the line. There's just the volume is so ridiculous. But, yeah, typically I'm not a big sit in the drive-thru line kind of guy. But You'll go in. I would. I would. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, oh, it'd be faster if I go in. It still takes 30 never, It never is, though, because then you're just instead never, of, like, waiting in your car – and like listening to music and sitting down, you're just standing there waiting for like Awkward. watching people bring out orders that aren't yours for like an hour. <laughs> Is that mine? Is that mine? No, not mine. Sitting there on my phone. Wait, no, still not yeah. mine. That's me. <laughs> I, it's yeah. So I, I'll just sit in the car and burn gas. So that's, that's my prerogative. Um, Sounds good. All right. So our top five for this week. Uh, so I kind of got the, the idea for this for the Indianapolis Colts hiring Jeff Saturday as their head coach, who was an ESPN analyst, quote unquote, consultant for the team before this, which I don't think he really did anything, but basically they just hired a guy off his couch and he went in and he beat the Oakland Vegas Raiders, not the Oakland Raiders anymore. Um, and so I thought about, it, I was like, who, who would be like the best, like current player who, when the, when their playing days are over, they would be the best future manager. Um, so uh, we're going to be taking a look at some, I, you know, a couple of criteria. I'll give a little hint, a little foreshadow. Catchers, old people, and just vibes, guys. I feel like that's old people. Old. <laughs> so uh, I'll start us off at number five. It is the polar bear, Pete Alonzo. This is somebody who, even just one year at Buck Showalter, I feel like that's, I feel like those managerial tendencies would rub off on Pete. Um, and also, we talk about Buck, you know, fighting for his guys. Pete would fight for his guys if he was a manager and he put anybody in the hospital at will. So that's, that's Pete Alonso. That's your number five. Number four, Adley Rutschman. I'm going catcher. I know he's a rookie. I know he hasn't played that long. I got a lot of shit from my friends when I told him about this list I made. Uh, Great energy. He's mature beyond his years. Adley Rutschman is. And catchers just make great managers. That's, that's just a given. So you have to have a catcher on this list at some point. Number three is actually a former catcher. Now that I think about it, it's Kyle Schwarber vibes guy the ultimate vibes guy kyle schwarber just and also i feel like he just has like a great outlook on life a great mindset i remember during the world series the, the reporter was uh asked him some what i can't remember what the question was he's just like yeah we don't get oh it's about being no hit he's like do you care he's like no i don't give a shit yeah so i just feel like kyle schwarber just and you know he's already been the success in the major leagues that would maybe rub off on his future teams he would manage so that's number three number two 
I'm going the old veteran. I'm going Nelly Cruz. Uh, look, this is a guy that can connect with all age groups. I remember when he was in Baltimore, even for just one year, big influence on the guys like Manny Machado and Jonathan Scope. Um, just a great mentor figure on every single team he's been on. So I think Nelson Cruz would be a fantastic manager someday. And number one, I'm going Uncle Charlie. I'm going Adam Wainwright. Veteran wisdom out the ass. I remember that mic'd up segment he did right before he was about to pitch, talking about you know his routine, his mindset. Just, again, really feels like he has a great outlook on life. Um, and, you know, a, a great pitcher it can really connect with uh, his future staff there on his team. So uh, that is my five through one. What do you think? Those are pretty good. Definitely agree. I feel bad for the people that you called old in there, but <laughs> that's a different story. Uh, my five, number five, start with uh, Manny Machado from there in San Diego. I think good leader, obviously done it for a long time, played under Buck, played with a bunch of guys. I think he would just be a great manager. Um, and I think the dudes would love him. Number four, we're going with Jazz Chisholm, a little flair, a little style there. I think he would just bring that extra you know, swag to it and confidence. And that would be uh interesting, interesting guy out there with his chains while he's running around there talking, uh, trying to argue with the umpire. So that would be a fun one. <clears throat> Number three, Joey Votto. I think Votto would be maybe the most interesting manager of all time there. I would love to hear him chirp or go argue with the umpires and, and see what, what he had to say to them. Probably confuse the shit out of them. And number, <laughs> number two is going to be Scherzer because I could just see him mother effing his players and the umpires and just being the most intense dude ever and obviously knows exactly what he's doing. And I just think that would be, you know, can you imagine being a player and Mad Max is just staring at you with those eyes because you like fucked something up in spring <laughs> training can. practice. You're like, oh shit. But I think that would just be a lot of fun. And then number one, kind of fits all your criteria he just retired but yachty molina i mean if that dude wants to manage how is he not how would he not be a manager i mean caught for 50 years for the reds i mean for the the reds for the cardinals just an unbelievable player hall of famer i mean catcher it just seems like he is the perfect combination spanish guy so he knows spanish and english just seems like he'd be the perfect combination to be a manager one day that's probably uh, the most realistic on my list, in my opinion, if that's what he wants to do. Or you can just probably go sit in his house and not do anything for the rest of his life. If that's, what, that's what he wants he's to do. He's earned that, yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, I would be scared shitless if I if Max Scherzer was my manager. Are you kidding me? That that's that would be a tough one where it's like, he would probably expect perfection. He'd write any little slip up. If Max is your manager, he will just rip you a new one. Um I don't know. I don't know if that's the best way to lead a group of men is through fear. So. Fear. Just fear me. No respect. No, I'm sure I, we've heard, all right, you know, I, there's definitely stories out there about what a great teammate he is too. Oh, yeah. So I'm sure it'd be great. But, you know, guys like that, man, my manager in AA and AAA is Jody Davis, who caught for the Cubs for a long time. He's a Cubs legend. And uh, we would take our balls here in Pensacola before – Every game, like no matter what, and it's, you know, Florida summer in the panhandle, it's hot. It's hot as hell out there. And we'd be doing it just dying for a half hour. <clears throat> and nobody ever complained because Jody caught one year 162 games for the Cubs. Caught 162. So everyone's like, how the fuck are we going to complain to this guy who caught 162? Like, can't, what are we going to tell him? 
oh, it's too hot out here. This motherfucker's out there blocking balls for 160 games in a row. So you, when you get somebody like that, you're like, well, you know, you just got to listen. God, that's that's a different era. 162 games as a catcher. That's That was before they thought about load management or just like an off day. And they, that didn't exist back Nothing. then, apparently. That's fantastic. He said his recovery was he'd get in the cold tub and he'd drink a six pack. And that's as whatever, you know, however long that took, that's how long he stayed in the cold tub. <laughs> that Great dude. Love Jeremy. He's oh. awesome. What a guy. Big dude, too. Big dude. Big catcher. 162. Yeah. He way bigger than I was. They don't make I him am. like that anymore. Yeah. That's old school. Um, it is. All right. Uh, before we set up our interview for this week, I had two last quick things. Uh, I wanted to give a shout out to friend of the podcast, Actions Over Words. It's an apparel brand with the mission of encouraging people to use their actions instead of their words. They donate $5 of every sale to charities around the world. So check them out at actionsoverwordsapparel.com. Use the promo code N4L. You get 10% off of your entire order. Tees, hats, hoodies, and more. And finally, uh, check out the Not For Long Media family of podcasts. Tons of great content for you guys to check out. Uh, this week on the Colin Thompson Show, uh, his, guest, his guest was Jeff Van Gundy. Uh, so the ABC NBA guy, just fantastic. Listen. Um, and also we also have another, you know, two girls, one league and odd G's with Harry Mays and Jason Martinez are our other not for media podcast interview for this week. It's my old buddy. Uh, it's Eric Arditi, AKA barstool RDT. Uh, he writes about the Orioles for barstool sports. He is a part of their trivia game show. Uh, the dozen, uh, just an awesome dude. He, he really brings a, a cool perspective. He's a podcaster too. check out exit 52. Um, we had a great time with this one, man. We talked a lot of Orioles, which um, I, I wasn't sure how much Orioles you were you're gonna be able to hang with, but you, you can hang when it comes to talking about the birds. Yeah, man, he was awesome to talk to. I think it's always cool um, to talk to a fan of a, like a team like that who really just knows the ins and outs. Like I appreciate the fandom of those people who who follow it as closely as as he does or like you do. Um, you know, all the games you talk about watching, but no, they're just it, on top of that. They're such an interesting team to me um, because of the year they had and, you know, what they're saying they're going to do. Um, and I'd love to see them relevant again in that AL East consistently, because man, what a, that's just such a cool and nasty division there. If all those teams, you add the Orioles good into that too. I mean, really cool, but yeah, RDT was awesome to talk to. Loved it. And yeah, he was, uh, he's just a good dude. It's yeah. It's, it's a good point though, because when, when the Orioles are good in the AL East, like when you think back to like 2014, when they won the AL, when they won the division, it's like, they can wait when all things are going right. They can do it. Like they, the, the blueprint is there. They've had the history of success. Um, and if they can do it in the AL East without having to spend like the Yankees and Red Sox do, I think that would be great. So, um, yeah, it's, it was a fun conversation. So, uh, with that being said, let's send it over to our interview with my good friend, Eric Arditi. All right. We are now joined by a very special guest, Eric Arditi. He writes about the Orioles for Barstool Sports. You can also see him on Barstool's trivia show, The Dozen, and listen to him each week on the Exit 52 podcast, a great Baltimore sports listen. Uh, that's, that's a heck of a resume, Eric. We're lucky to have you on. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. The, the dozen thing is, is, is a little bit new, but it's, it's exciting. Again, uh, we, we have our tournament coming up in Boston in a couple of weeks. So I'm trying to figure out some Orioles stuff I could link in. I don't want to, I don't think we're going to be fan favorite. So I might as well just play up the heel card. And like, I may wear like my Manny Machado Jersey and like pretend to slide into a fake Dustin yeah. Pedroia or something. <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll get the crowd going somehow, but yeah, it'll, it'll be, it'll be fun. It's been a lot of fun and yeah. 
good old good old trivia jj hardy was a question he was an answer a couple of uh episodes that. ago frank that was a tough one with frank you got to get that you can't call him jj raddick you can't <laughs> that was bad it was bad brian have you seen this have you uh i know you're you're a barstool sports guy have you have you seen their trivia stuff they do I haven't. Well, I gotta watch it. I've seen it, you know, all the all the stuff on Twitter and social media, but I haven't actually watched it. So I'll I have to because that's that's hysterical right there. I would, yeah, uh, it, if I heard Frank say JJ Reddick instead of yeah, he you know it was like this this shortstop for the Twins. This shortstop hit twenty plus twenty five plus home runs with the Twins and the Orioles, and he's like uh and he's like JJ Reddick and Nick and KB go <laughs> no, and, and 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 um Jeff is like ten seconds and he's like uh. Uh, and he's like JJ, and they're like, it's not Reddick, it's not Reddick, and he just had nothing. And again, it was like he knows who JJ Hardy is, but he just could not get it out. And that's that's trivia brain, man. Dozen brain, it's real. When those lights come on, it's real. <laughs> Pure panic. Yeah, hundred percent. Like it, it got me. It got me with Steve Breston. It was like this this Arizona Cardinals wide receiver has had three thousand yard seasons, and I drafted that dude every year in fantasy, and I'm like. I can see him. He went to Michigan. I don't know his name. And the second the question was over, I was like, oh, yeah, Steve Rustin. I know. Like, got it wrong. <laughs> it's, it, it is very real. It is very, very real. Bright lights, man. Yeah. That's, I, I'm, I sit on my couch and I'm like nailing them. I'm batting like mm-hmm. a thousand on these things. And then I bet you, you're right. When we get the light on and everything, it's, it's a little bit different. So, yeah. Yeah. Credit to it, you. It, 100%. Team Misfits, right? Yeah. Yep. Team Misfits. Me, Dante, and Kelly Keegs with Hank as our coach. So, we're we we're going over our uh, walkout music today in in the group chat what we wanted it to be so I don't know we got a couple we got a couple good ones uh, lined up but we got to figure that out I like it dude so I mean we've known each other for a couple of years you bonded obviously over Baltimore sports and the Orioles our mutual love for the Orioles um, today I wanted to have you on and just talk a little bit about kind of like their their incredible 2022 season it's one of the best stories in baseball from the last year uh, a 31 game increase from 2021 to 2022. Um, from your perspective, like how surprised were you that it came together as quickly as it did? I mean, I, I was very surprised. I was, I, I, I'm, I'm one of the more, I think, positive fans on, on Twitter. Um, it's a very negative place, but you know, I, I don't, I think I went into the season. I think I said 73 wins. I think something, something around those lines, 73, 74. Um, and you know, it was kind of like, listen, like just like last year and the, the years in the past, which is like, hey, this is I I'm, I think I've said it on the show a bunch of times. Like, this year isn't about wins and losses. It's it doesn't matter. They're not going to compete. It's about you know the guys staying healthy and it's about the young guys coming up and and us seeing the development and like, oh, these guys are something. You know, here's why they were drafted that high or here's why you know they were waiver claims something like that. And early on in the season, it turned into that where like you know we were it, <clears throat> sorry we were seeing the young guys come up, have success again. We saw it last year and in, in in the years past. And then, I mean, that that Preakness Saturday at 8 a.m., it all changed. When I was already up because I have a three-and-a-half-year-old, so you're just up at that hour. You don't sleep in. Um, you, you know, yeah, I got the notification from Rock. You know, the Orioles are recalling Adley Rutschman uh, or, or purchasing his contract, whatever it was. And and from there on, it was just, like Goliath said, it was liftoff. Like, it's just everything changed. Um and it's funny because, like, you know, I tweeted out that clip of him doing the, the whole spin around looking at the stadium. And I said, you can literally pinpoint the exact moment where the Orioles season took a turn for the better. And and I don't think you can even, like, debate that. Like, everything got better with Adley. The defense got better. The pitching got better. Like, the hitting improved, you know, especially when they moved him up to the two hole. I mean, it was it, – he's, he's, he was just great. 
so again, then everyone else started playing better. And it again, I mean, for me, I remember the 96 season. I remember, you know, some of those playoff teams. This was the most fun baseball team that I've watched since the 2014 team that won 96 games. Um, you know, just the way they were winning games. I mean, the 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 10 game win streak, the the was it like four four walk-offs in six or seven games or whatever during that stretch in July. Like it was it was awesome. And and the my favorite part was you had people who I have friends who are casual fans. Not not everyone is is like us and can watch 140, 150 games a year. It's just not for everyone. So like I, you know, I had friends or people that I I know who were like, dude, I love this team. I get home from work and I'm like, I'm eating dinner in front of the TV. Like, cheer, I got to be there for first pitch. Or like guys I know who live in the city who were never like, oh, I'm gonna go to the game tonight. Who are like, 6:30. Like, let's get up and walk to the game. So it's like that. Seeing the team bring people like that back, and, and again, winning cures all. And I think we see it with that. Um, I was super surprised. Again, I I don't think anyone thought they were gonna be. I, they were eliminated in the early hours of October first from the playoff race. If anyone would have said on this show. Like, hey, the Orioles are, you know, they'll go into October in the in the playoff race. He would have been like, we have to scrap this interview. This kid's a, this kid's a nut. Like, this is not going to happen. So, like, just the fact that they were able to again be competitive up until October. I mean, it shocked. I think everyone, and and I know the players will say like, yeah, you know, we always thought we could do this, but like, I don't think they thought that they were going to be this good coming into the season, especially in the division with Judge hitting eighty five billion home runs, and you know. The Jays being World Series, you know, preseason World Series favorites. The Rays always doing what the Rays do. So yeah, I was very surprised, and and I, I it was awesome to see. And now comes the tough part with with expectations. I mean, we saw this last year with the Tigers. Kind of, they weren't the Tigers' record last year wasn't as good as the Orioles was this year, but they had those expectations where they spent money. You know, it's like all right, they have a farm system, they have Torkelson, they have Riley Green, they have all these guys, and then they just fell flat on their faces here. So next year is the year where it's like, all right, people are going to expect probably a playoff, you know, playoff appearance. If they win 80 games, it's going to be like, man, this year sucks. And again, going into the season, I mean, that's people, you know, you would have been crazy for thinking that, but expectations change it all. So I would have given my left arm for 80 wins at the beginning of the year. Yeah. You would have been like, absolutely. Like sign me up. Yeah. I'll sell the house. Like whatever. I don't (laughs) matter. Been trying to get, I mean, we've talked about the Orioles a lot this season. Uh, which is something that obviously we haven't done for a very long time with them being as bad as they were. Uh, I've been trying to get Brian to convert to just like an Orioles believer with me. I don't know. I, I think I'm trying to get him on on the Orioles magic bandwagon. I don't know how well of a job I did at this year selling that, but um, Brian has no connection. He's a Philly guy. I don't know. There's <laughs> not really a rivalry there, but um, that's, I mean, Brian, from your perspective, how much fun was that paying attention to them and seeing the Adley Rutschmans and all these guys? Well, I said, <clears throat> I said it to you before because, Jorge Mateo was with me in San Diego last year, sitting next to me on the bench. So uh, I was happy for him when, you know, he got to play and was playing pretty well mm-hmm. because I did, you know, I played against him in the minors too. So I thought he was pretty talented and whatever. He just never really got a shot, but uh, it was nice to see that. A couple of things for me was like, it was such a cool story, right? The whole time was, was amazing. And like, like Eric said, the, uh, when he was talking about it, it kind of popped my head. It's like, and when Adley came up, it's like he took, they were playing, you know, they were playing pretty well, whatever, but it's like, he took all the expectations and was unbelievable. Right. Like himself played awesome. And the rest of the team could just kind of like, 
fly under the radar and just play because like all the focus was on Adley and he handled it so perfectly and played so well. So like, that's one thing I never really thought of, which is amazing. It just tells you what kind of player he is and what kind of player he's going to be. But then the other thing that I think is so cool that you said was talking about your friends who were like, man, I got to watch the game now, or I want to go to the game. Like it goes to show you, People are going to watch or they're going to show up if you have a fun team, if you have a good team. Like San Diego is another example. More recently, you know, they got some players and San Diego's packed constantly, all the time. Baltimore, you got more people that are watching and more people that are going to go to the game now just because the team's good. So it's like just showing these owners and stuff like, hey, put a good product on the field and people are still going to go. Like people want to go. So you put something that's out there, you put something out there that's fun they'll show up for it. So I just think that's awesome too. I'm, I'm happy to see that because as you know, Jay, I'm a big advocate for the game of baseball in general. And the and I hate when people kind of trash it and say all these things are wrong with it and stuff instead of appreciating how good players are and, and you know, some of the other things that go along with it. No doubt. I mean, it baseball is like the best like summertime thing you can go out and do. And it, and you're right. The, the whole city, the vibe of the city kind of changed when the Orioles started to get better. You started to see the orange people, the orange you know shirts and jerseys flocking around the city of Baltimore. They started filling up the stands. It was no longer Fenway South or the Bronx South. Like mm-hmm. you're right. It, it, if you give us a, a good product to watch, like I think we were spoiled from 12 to 16 it was like the most wins in the AL or something like that. I think, mm-hmm. um, and, and then, you know, you, you obviously experienced the, the multiple hundred loss seasons. And then, yeah, yeah, people like me questioning it. Gosh, are people ever going to come back and watch this team play get, again? But it, it goes to show you, you're right. Eight, give me 83 wins and some guys that are like 21 years old that play with their hair on fire. I'll I'll come out. I'll watch. Yeah, it's, it's easy as that. Uh, again, 100%. I mean, Mateo was, was a perfect guy, like, like you mentioned. I mean, he had that that sprint around the bases on on, you know, opening day in Baltimore. And that got people... Like I, I went back and watched that clip at the end of the season, and I was like, again, I was like, we had no idea what was coming with this. And again, he, I mean, he had that month, maybe month and a half, where he turned into, he, he was one of the best. I think his OPS was like one of the highest. It was like Judge and then him after the All Star break for like you know like an extended month. So it's like yeah, it's like you know again, guy fans will latch onto those guys, and because again, they had the mega prospects, they had the Adleys and Gunners and Grayson and DL. And Mountcastle, but it's it's like those guys like Mateo, who you know the team will kind. Of, Santander is perfect too, like a Rule Five guy that you know was was a good player on those bad teams. And I mean, this year he just he blossomed into a stud. And now there are guys who are like you can't trade him. Whereas a year ago, people were like, I don't even know this Santander guy. It's like they're saying his name wrong. They're they're doing all that. And now those are the guys saying like, no no no, it's Santander. And like here's why he's going to be the DH. You know. And again, it's it's those kind of guys who. I think the fan, the casual fan can like grow and appreciate and, and, and enjoy watching every night. And like, like you guys both said it winning absolutely cures all um, Baltimore is very heavy on football, but you know, Justin, like you said, the 2012 to 2016, those I'm, I probably went to 45 games in 2014 and it's like, it, there is nothing like a pack Camden yards ballpark. You know, in the bottom of the ninth when, or the top of the ninth when they're going for a save or they're going for the walk off in the bottom of the ninth or something, it's just un, it's unbelievable. So yeah, I, you know, the winning. I I hope that it obviously stays. And again, I I'm very excited. Usually we're excited for the off season just because we're like, thank God baseball's over. But now it's like 
I mean, free agency starts tomorrow, and I'm getting people in my DMs like, dude, I can't sleep. I can't, I can't wait for this. I, I, I can't wait to see who they sign. So again, that's it, just like it's a great, it, it's it's just a great thing for fans to be able to look forward to, and it's something like you said that we haven't had in in you know around this team in in a long time. There's there's a lot of fans who are younger, you know, who who again have seen success with the Ravens. They've been there. They've seen the Super Bowls and stuff like that. But the Orioles are like, they're just a stepchild. They're like, ah, you know, they're they're there. Like Adam Jones was good and Nick Markakis, but I don't really know much, you know, other than that. And now those are the fans who are, again are like buying in and 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 you know really just feeding into this team. So it's it's it is really awesome to see. There's a couple things that we haven't also had in a while. It's I don't think we've had first of all rookie of the year since 1989. When I, I think I read that Greg Olson was the last Orioles rookie of the year. So that's that's crazy. That's taken that long. And also Brandon Hyde is up for manager of the year. Um, we, we talked a little bit earlier about the Adley Rutschman experience and how the team kind of shifted once once he came up. But I I gotta. I want you to help me get there on Brandon Hyde and liking him because I've never been a big Brandon Hyde guy. I remember when Chris Davis wanted to beat his ass. And <laughs> I, I remember when uh, he was just these weird argument things with Robbie Ray on the mound. Like, is there anything you can kind of say to like, maybe sway me a little bit and, and help me get there in terms of thinking Brandon Hyde's actually a good manager. The good manager part is tough. And Brian, you'll be able to probably talk more about this because the manager now isn't, what the manager was in in with Earl Weaver in you know the seventies and eighties, these guys aren't managing li- you know like they used to. There and and we know it. It's it's the age of analytics where you've got a guy in a suit upstairs going, all right, here's the count. There's this guy on and this many outs. Here's what you do, and then that you know that is somehow usually relayed down or you know down to the down to the dugout or or whatever. Or it's like the guy knows what to do on his you know the cards or whatever. But so it's it's hard to say because like uh, the big thing was Brandon Hyde's lineups this year. It's like I I don't know if Brandon Hyde was making the lineups. He may not have been. Obviously, like a lot, you know. Again, in the minors when Adley wouldn't start, there are people like, what are the what are the Tides doing? Buck Britton is not making that lineup card. Like Buck Britton is being told like Adley needs to sit today. It's not it's not like Buck is like you know oh it's day game we're gonna sit him. It's like no that's not. It, so the, the 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 term manager has changed so much, but I I mean I just I like Hyde because I I root for the team and I want him to do well. So like I, I I'm like I don't I'm not gonna go into this with like a negative attitude. I want him to do well, so I'm gonna be positive about him. Um, and some I mean some of the things he did were kind of foolish. It's like you're going to Brian Baker in the fifth, you know, with a guy on first or whatever, and or you know, like I there was a game in Toronto where it works for me in the show every time, but I'm like. All right, guy on second, Vladdy's up. Walk him, like put him on, put him on set or put him on first. Try and get the double play because again, it works for me in the show. Might as well try it. Um, and Vladdy, you know, two pitches later, it's a walk off, and it's like, oh, probably should have walked him. Um, <laughs> I but I think every, I mean, Kevin Cash again, I, I, not not to rub it in. I see the jersey back there, but Kevin Cash did it with Blake Snell. Like, you know, there. I mean, every look at Aaron Boone. That guy can't manage his way out of a wet paper bag. Like. <laughs> There's stuff that that happens that it's just like, I I think it's just it happens. It's like these guys can't be perfect, just like players can't be perfect. Um, so I I really do like him. I think the guys really really. It would have been very easy in April again when Adley came up. They were eight games under. I think they were sixteen and twenty four. The night before they they won on a walk off. Odor hit the the home run. But again, the night before that, so say they're five games under and it's it's the beginning of May and they're going. All right. Well, you know, we got the Rays coming in and then we got the Yankees and then we got the Jays. It's like, 
all right, we're going to lose six and nine. It's like, it would have been very easy for that team to tune out Hyde and just say, this guy's going to be gone in two weeks. Who cares? But I think they really enjoy him. I think they really enjoy playing for him. He seems to go to bat for them in the Robbie Ray incident when Robbie, the Orioles were hitting him hard. I think they were up three, nothing in like the second or the third. And he, you know, somehow got out that he thought that the Orioles were stealing signs or they knew what was coming. And so I liked what Hyde did. And he spoke up and he said, you know, he talked trash to him. And I like that. I think, cause again, I think that shows the guys and not every guy on the team here was, you know, was in that dugout last year when that happened. But I think that shows the guys like, look, he's going to fight for us. He is, he's out there. Like he wants to scrap. He would love to get in the box right now, but you know, he can't, we're the players. We got to do that. So I think that resonates in the clubhouse. Um, again, it, it's, it's just, it would have been so easy for them to just say, he's not the manager of the future. I like if, you know, not that Adley's this kind of guy, but being like, I don't have to listen to him. Cause guess what? He's not going to be the guy that we're going to the playoffs with. But again, I think this year it showed that they really like him. Um, I think he knows the heartbeat and the pulse of this team and, and kind of like Buck, like he gets a lot out of these guys. I mean, all you look at all the waiver claims in the, in the bullpen, and and yes, he didn't make every right call bringing in guys at certain times or whatever. But again, it's like he, you know, when he was making the right calls, they were. I mean, every time CNL Perez came in, it was like, oh, perfect, like that was a perfect spot for him. So I don't know. I I, I just I really enjoyed him. Um, I I'm a fan. I understand why people aren't, but I also don't understand the people who are like very gung ho and hating him. Where it's like, like they want him fired, and it's like, well, why? Again, the guy's gonna finish top three manager of the year. Um, arguably a chance to win it, but like, who, who do you want to replace him with? I, that That's what I don't get. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm a big fan though. I, I could understand if you're not, but I think it's like the guy's leading our team. Why would we not want to put all our, 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 you know, our eggs in his basket and root him on? Yeah. And, and Brian can obviously probably speak to some of the points he talked about where it's like, how, like, I, we've even talked about this before on the podcast where it's like, how much impact does a manager actually really have? On, on a team nowadays in terms of like decision-making and also just like in terms of wins and losses. So uh, Brian, what do you got? Well, first of all, I, I, when we talked about it before, I said, you know, I don't think it's really that much. And then Rob Thompson proceeded to totally turn around the Phillies because <laughs> that's what we're talking about. And we saw what happened there. So no, I think, I think, I think you're right, Eric, in the sense that, um, there's more collaboration with the front office for sure. And there's probably more of like a plan, especially I would assume for a team like the Orioles, you know, not thinking that they were going to contend the way they kind of did like, Hey, we want, we want these guys to play like this is, you know, this is what we got to see for the future. So yeah, he might not, uh, or they, you know, in, in those meetings, he could say, I like these guys and whatever. You, we don't know how that, how that shakes out. Right. But I do think, like you said, about the heartbeat and the pulse. And I don't think a team can play that well or that high above expectations if they don't like their manager. You know, it's like maybe they don't, like, love him, but it's got to be at least okay, right? There's no way a team's playing that well if they're showing up every day like, fuck, this guy's guy sucks, you know? <laughs> so, I they the players have to like him, I think – like you said, the Robbie Reyes incident, Jay, yeah, maybe a little weird from our perspective of not being in the dugout. Yeah. But like Eric said, those guys in the dugout who were there for it probably like that whole uh, situation, you know, he, and exactly. 
manager, you got to stick up for your guys. That is like number one. I've seen it firsthand when it doesn't go that way and how it bothers guys. So yeah, you got to stand up for your dudes and they'll definitely respect you more for that. And you know, if I know that who, who are the other two finalists is Francona and um, uh, so, um, yeah, from it's, so, it's funny. Did you, did you notice that the three rookies of the year and the three managers of the year are all from the same teams? Um, uh, who's uh who is it from Cleveland? Is it Quan? Quan, yeah, Quan and Julio. Okay. Kind of cool. I yeah, didn't, I don't, I, mean, I don't know if that's, that's ever cool. happened, but I thought that was neat. Julio's nasty. And Quan's, a, I mean, a good little player too, but and obviously out there. But yeah, I mean, if that was up to me right now, I would probably give it to Hyde, right? Because I feel like they were the most overachieving team out of the three of them. The Indians quietly are like the Rays to me. Like they just mm-hmm. kind of are right there every year with maybe, you know, guys that casual fans are like, who the fuck is that? I mean, even, dude, they had guys coming out of Oscar Gonzalez played with him in the yep. Dominican Winter League when he was like 19 and he was there for like a day. And I'm like, that kid might be good one day, but it's not <laughs> right now. And I see him this year and I'm like, holy shit, there he is. And he's pretty good. So it's like, they're always around. But so the, you know, and the Mariners were, were solid last year and so to me, I think I should win it. I, I think you should too. Um, I, you know, obviously it's, it's a regular season award. So I think people will, cause you know, I'm reading all the, and obviously these fools don't, don't vote, but like the people on Twitter are like, Oh, I didn't see the Orioles in the playoffs. And it's like, well, at number one, again, you're a parody account. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. And again, it's a, it's a regular season award. Like it's not, they don't take that into consideration. And again, I mean, it's, if if we if I was sitting on this couch and told you guys at this time last year, like, hey, by the way, the Orioles are gonna win 83 games, you'd be like, There's no way. No way. So yeah, I, I think he has to be. I would understand if he doesn't. Like I again, I could see them being like, Oh, the Guardians, you know, they did great and they did this and that, blah, blah, blah. But I to me, it's a no-brainer, Brandon Hyde. So again, it's like you're gonna fire the 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 manager of the year just because you you don't, you know, you you may not like him or you don't think his moves are great or whatever. So I don't know. To me, to me, it doesn't really fly. But yeah, I, I'm I'm on board for obviously Hyde, MOI. You know, I'm I'm a Colts fan, and so we've gone through a lot of these kind of organizational changes lately. Um, you know, who's to say? May, maybe we get weird. Maybe we just bring in a former player with no coaching experience whatsoever. That could be. I might be. I may be one of those parody accounts tweeting at you, Eric. Where it's just <laughs> like, Cal Cal should coach this team. He could do a better job. On our on our podcast last night, we did a starting five, which is where we just pick a topic and then pick our five things. And we did former players that you would like to see coach your team. So Adam Jones was obviously my number one pick. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it's interesting. I don't. <laughs> I think JJ would be great. Weeders was always talked about as a as a as Matt a manager. Always, so yeah. I don't know. Adley player manager, maybe. Yeah. Why not? I think he Rose knows. I, I think he's smart. So <laughs> we, we, we we'll see. Yeah, well, if Elon Musk stops cracking down on all my Twitter parody burner accounts, then yeah, then <laughs> yeah, good luck. Yeah, have fun with that. I pay eight dollars a month. Um, <laughs> but the the th- other thing I want to talk to you about was just like Michael Elias has been in, like making the rounds. He was at the the GM meetings. He's like, you know, we're gonna we're gonna open this checkbook up a little bit. I'm just curious what you think that actually looks like. I know they had like was it the 29th or 30th biggest payroll this year? It was like 40 million. At one point, I remember in the glory days when you and I were both going to 30 games a year, where it was like 160 million. It was top 10. Mm-hmm. I want us to get back to there. Do you think we're going to come close to that? 
I don't know if they're going to get that this year. Like, I don't think it's going to be like we're pushing all our chips to the middle this year. I think it, they're they're going to take it kind of so, like the people who are like, you got to go sign Judge. It's like, dude, I can fucking sign Judge. Like, shut up. You got you got to get Judge. You got to get Degrom, and then you got to trade for Otani. It's like, no, those are not. Again, this isn't the show. That doesn't. It's not how it works. <laughs> like, so again, I think like I would love, love, love for them to add a guy like Rodon. Like, I would love that. Um. You know, a guy like Trey Turner, I would love. A Jock Peterson is is a hot name now in the streets. Um, guys like that, but like I don't think they're gonna go. Like obviously, Rodon's gonna get a ton. He's gonna get a lot of money. Um, so that's kind of I'm like I I just don't see them coming in being like we're gonna spend. You know, we're gonna make this jump and our our our, our payroll is gonna be 100. You know, 150, 160 million this year. I don't know. I would love it. I would love it even more if some of the moves they made were buy out Adley's arbitration and get an extension done with him. Cause that's the thing. It's like, I, I think that's going to, they, they, they may not get a bunch of good free agents this year, but if you're locking up Gunner and you're locking up Adley and you're signing Mountcastle to like a decent extension and stuff like that, I think that is a good way to, again, you're going to increase your payroll and you're going to buy out these arbitration years and get these guys to stick around for a while. So th- that would be big to get the payroll up. But again, I mean, some of these guys, you know, there's a couple of, you know, Chris Bassett, guys like that. I would love Mike Clavenger. Um, you know, people were talking about Syndergaard. I just, I think give me a couple pitchers and, 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 you know, throw in, they're going to make trades. So I think they're definitely going to make trades. Like I wouldn't be surprised if Jordan Westberg never wears an Orioles uniform. Um, it sucks, but again, it's like, you got to break some eggs to, to make an omelet. Um, I, I think if that's the, you know, I'd be okay with parting with a guy like that and, you know, some of their other guys, because I mean, two years ago, the story was there's no infield depth in this team. And now all they have is infield depth. Like there's a ton of it. Same thing. Like maybe an Austin Hayes gets moved, you know, someone like that, Um, you know, opening up a spot for Cowser next year. So I, I would love to see them open the checkbook and like, you know, uncle Mike said, it's takeoff, you know, liftoff season from here. So we'll, but we also have to remember, like it does take two to tango where I, you know, there are people who are like, the Orioles have to sign this guy. And it's like, well, the, the player has to agree to the deal too. So like you can ask the hottest girl at the dance if she wants to dance, but if she doesn't say yes, you know, then, then you ain't dancing. So it's, again, it's like people have to, cause that, that, that's what I'm worried about is like, if they miss on Correa and they miss on Bassett and they miss on Rodon, people can be like, Oh, well, fucking Elias doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> and you're going to have these parody accounts coming out again, just saying that like, dude, they don't know what they're doing. He said he was going to sign people. He didn't. It's like, well, again, because they don't want to pay, they don't want to overpay for Carlos Correa. They don't, they don't want to overpay, you know, whoever. So I think they're going to look into value, and they're going to do stuff like that. They're going to look for some value signings, and we'll, we'll take it from there. But I, I again, like I would love a Rodon. I would love a Trey Turner. I don't think, I don't if I, just give me Rodon and, and the five, the the rest we can fill in with little bits and pieces. But I'm, I'm fine with, with Carlos. I see the Atlanta Braves do this stuff, and, and we oh. talked about it a lot on this podcast where they just the take their they're stars the best like eight years, ten years, ten years, eight years. When's it our turn? When's it our turn as an Orioles organization to start set locking up the 21-year-old for a 10-year deal like Michael Harris and all these guys? It's like it's not fair. I, I don't I don't understand why we can't get an Adley or or like all these guys that we have at the top level, the minors that are going to be already coming up too. Like give me a Grayson extension. I don't know. It's just when's it our turn? I, this has got to be the year. I think you got to do it now. I think you got to you, you got to do it now because again, we've seen it. What happens when you don't lock up a generational talent superstar? Because because he's in he's in San Diego now. 
Like the, you know, the, or obviously Manny had his knee issues and that probably threw a wrench into the contract extension. But again, Dan Duquette openly was like, we didn't offer Manny a contract after 2015. So it's like, you can't, you can't let these guys get to like two years away from free agency because then they're just going to say, ah, I'm just going to wait and, and I'm going to get paid a billion and a half dollars. So yeah, I, th- I think this has to be the year where at least an Adley extension gets done next year at Grayson, something like that. And then again, then we'll talk about DL and, and um, Gunner, you know, and all those guys. So, I mean, it's t- starting pitching. Obviously it has to be like the top of their list, I feel like, but, and then the, today I look and they just declined Jordan Lyles, option who, you know, at the beginning of the season was hot garbage. And by the end of the year, he led the team in like every major statistical pitching category. Uh, that feels like a guy you'd want to bring back. So um, curious. They did, they did say that, that I think it was the price point that that's their phrase of the off season is the price point where they didn't, I don't think they wanted to pay him $11 million, but they said like, we're going to keep the door open and we're going to talk to him. So if he comes back, you know, at seven and a half or eight million, I think that that's what they'll be fine with. But I was more shocked that they didn't just because again, eleven and eleven million. I mean, that's it's not a ton in baseball, you know. And and so I assume that they would pick it up. They're going to have to sign other people, and if the rotation is looking good in spring training, someone's going to get hurt. They can trade them away again. That team will probably be fine with taking on eleven million dollars, and and you move on and and you're good to go from there. But. I would love to see him back. You know, again, if if he if it's nine million, if it's eight million, sure, that that's fine. I just don't think they wanted to pay him eleven. So, and again, it seemed like it was like an, a mutual thing because, you know, again, Elias said like the door is open. We're we're, we're going to keep contact with him. So, you know, I don't think he minces his words. If they didn't want him back, they would have just said, "Here's the tweet, Jordan. Thanks for your time in Camden Yards. Blah blah blah. Best wishes." And and he would have gone on from there. So, but doesn't that feel like when you break up with somebody, it's like we can still be friends? It's like that never happens. You never, yeah, you, but you never stay friends with them. You just say that. If your ex girlfriend was being like, "Hey, I'll give you eleven million dollars," or like maybe we'll settle for eight million dollars, you'll be like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I'll stay friends for eight million dollars, absolutely." <laughs> like you find, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just, I, I, I don't hear, know. I don't know. I hear a lot of that from Elias. Brian, what would you do <laughs> if you're the Orioles this off season? I like <clears throat> Rodon would be a, would be a legit fit there. I think uh, that would be really cool to see, but. Yeah, man, it just seems like they're the pitching a little bit and then maybe, yeah, one position player or, or so. But I think the point about value is definitely good because you got to find somebody who wants to come to Baltimore too, right? Like who sees last year and doesn't think it's just some fluke and they're going to go back to not being a good team. And they're, yeah, they're going to get paid a bunch of money, but they're going to sit there and lose a bunch of games and be miserable. So you don't want to owe a super overpay somebody just to get them to go to Baltimore when those resources could be used elsewhere. So I hope they make a splash. I think Peterson is a cool fit. There's definitely some guys out there who are, who are very interesting, but the ad, I couldn't agree more about locking up badly. That has to be number one. You see the, um, we talked about this, the Braves. I love it. I think it's a win-win for organization and player. And, you know, Julio Rodriguez obviously signed mm-hmm. that crazy deal too. So it's like, Forgot about that, it seems yeah. like that's starting to be the trend now because it gives the team, when you get a guy like that, like Hadley, it gives the team, okay, we know this, the finances, like this is what it's going to be. And we also know that he is going to be here for however many years it is. And I think that makes Baltimore more attractive destination too, or, or guys are going to see that. Okay. They're serious about this. Like 
let's do this. Let's go over there. Man, and it's, you know, Baltimore, great park, great place. Playing the AL East, like, I think there's a lot of appeal there. So, guys see that they're serious and, and that they're moving in that direction. I think it would be a, it's a pretty good destination for, for a lot of guys. I mean, I, you would got, you have to think if they sign you again, if they sign him, number one, that show, like you said, that shows like, Hey, we're here. Like we're, we're going to do this for real because again, every you, anytime MLB or on Instagram, they post an Adley thing, the comments underneath they are like, well, he's going to be a Yankee in three years. Oh, you know, can't wait to see him in pinstripes. So again, it's like you, you do that and you shut that down for seven, eight years, maybe, you know? And, and yeah, I mean, again, if you sign him to a long-term deal, guess what? Now you have the pitchers being like, as a free agent being like, Hmm, you know, cause you're going to have Boris with his big binder being like, here's, here's Spencer Watkins ERA when he's pitching to Adley, as opposed to Chirinos. It's like in a run and a half lower, you're going to see that guy or guys are like, Hey, that guy can knock my ERA down, you know, a point, something like that. Yeah. Let's, oh, and they move that wall back. Oh yeah. Let's do this. Like, I, yeah, let's go there. So like you said, I think it definitely makes them more attractive. Um, So it's like, oh, it's a win for Adelaide. It's a win for the team. And then again, it's like, oh, and it's also helping get these free agencies. Like, yeah, that's just the cherries on top. So there, there's a, I think the, the benefits just outweigh everything, you know, when, when it comes to signing a guy like Adelaide. And, and that's just another thing that makes him such a special player. It's like, oh, he's, he's going to do it on the field, but there's a decent chance that he affects this organization in a very positive way off the field as well with stuff like that. Just seems like an all-time vibes guy. But when we talk about, you know, making this team more attractive and trying to convince players to come in. I think don't sell yourself short, Eric, because I think you have a, a hand in this as well, because I, I've seen, you know, the, the, the social media campaigns, the social media pushes. Do you like your crab cakes fried or broiled? You know, you were trying to get Carlos Correa to come to Baltimore there for a little bit. Like who's, who's the guy this year? Who, who are we focusing in on that? We're going to start the campaign, you know, the grassroots movement to bring him to Baltimore. I mean, today I just, I just, you know, it's so embarrassing. It meant to be a DM. And I just said, sup to Carlos Rodon. It was very embarrassing. <laughs> I didn't like that. It was public and everyone saw it. But I just said, sup, you know, just, just wanted Check to say out. hi. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's the guy. I think I would love it. Um, and again, I mean, free agency starts, you know, this time tomorrow, I'm sure we'll have official signings, but I, you know, again, he's, I'm putting my eggs in his basket. Um, I don't, I don't think he's going to be, a, you know, one of the first guys to sign. I don't know who it's going to be or whatever, but um, trying to think outside of that. I mean, hell, if Trey Turner wants to come eat crab cakes at Jimmy's, we could do that too. I'll get him set <laughs> up, um, get him a table there. You know, a anyone really, again, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just happy that we're not, that we're not doing the, the like dumpster diving stuff where it's like, uh, it's we're and again, it worked out, but like, we're heading into spring training and they're like, Oh, we're kicking around the idea of signing Nelson Cruz. You know, again, I like that. I like the, I love the move, but it's like, those aren't the moves that I want to be making going into spring training. It's like, I, I want them now. I want them tomorrow. I want to, I want to be, you know, having to take a lunch break so I can blog that, that they're signing, but you know, blank, blank and blank. It, it's not going to happen, but um, I don't know. My, my, my guy, my, I've got my sight set on Rodon. So I've got a white Sox bobblehead of his, so I know I've got the White Sox Dave connection who knows him. So yeah. if I end up with his cell phone number, I don't know. We'll see, we'll see what happens and, and we'll go from there. But that's, that's the guy that I'm prepared to offer crab cakes to. Throw some feelers out there. Yeah. Brian, if you've never experienced crab cakes at Jimmy seafood, it's, it's, it's an out of, out of body experience. No, oh, they're so good. I have not, but I do love crab cakes. So maybe one day if I, if I make it to Baltimore ever again, then I'll have to try some of that.
You got to. They're they're unbelievable. They're the best. <laughs> yeah, I like your point about dumpster diving though, because it was always like, "Hey, who's the big free agent?" It's like we got you, Colby Rasmus. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You want Colby Rasmus with a bum hip, and then he's gonna retire halfway through the season. We can get you that. You know, you, this is a great. This is a great like fun fact. It's a great like thing to pull out at like a bar or something like that for trivia. You know who um Colby Rasmus's one Orioles home run was off of? No. Any any take take a guess. Uh, first Orioles home run. He uh, hit one home run as a, as an Oriole. Uh, Garrett Cole. No, that's, that's, he was in Pittsburgh by then. Um, I don't know. Scherzer. Wait. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> I, I, I said it too quick, but yeah, to take that out at, at like a bar or an event or something like that. And people will be like, well, no way. So it's a good, that's a good, that's always one I like to keep in my back pocket. So the shirts are killed. Um, as we kind of wrap up here, I, I did want to talk about our, our guy here, Trey Mancini, obviously world series champion this year. Um, I was not, I was not really happy that they traded him at the deadline, but you know, that's, that's probably a whole nother podcast of me just screaming into the microphone, but um <laughs> Trey, Trey's a gem of a human. You you know him on a more personal level. I mean, what can you say about Trey, um, the high character makeup he has, and how excited you were that, that you got to see him hoist the uh, the commissioner's trophy there? Yeah, I mean, I was I was over the moon. I I mean, I was full on Astros like mood like mode like we're you know you can't stop us you know whatever their I don't know I don't know what their tagline is or whatever. But I'm like <laughs> I'm going all out. And again, I got buddies who are Phillies fans, and I'm in group chats, and I'm being like, listen, y'all don't got it with Dusty. Like you can't handle you know. Framber, you you know, you got nothing. So I turned into a, a full like Astros guy. Um, but again, like I I think it's just so neat seeing him on there. And I talked to I talked to Trey a decent amount. I talked to Sarah a lot more as fiance. And I talked to her. My wife and I went to the game the Saturday before the trade deadline. And she was like, Oh, that's my last game. You know, I'm, so we we ended up meeting up and we were talking, and I'm like, What are you what are you hearing? And she's like, I hear nothing. She she Sarah literally said to me, it was like, if you hear anything, can you tell me? And I'm like, what do you mean if I hear anything? Like, I'm not going to hear anything before you do. And so, you know, but I said, I'm like, if, if Trey gets traded and I'm, I, I was obviously like, dude, I don't want, I don't want you to go. But if you do, I was like, I want it to be the Mets. I want it to be the Astros. I want it to be some, I didn't want it to be Milwaukee or St. Louis or some, you know, some place where it's like, you're not, you're not, nothing's going to happen there. Um, so, so when, you know, when the trade came, you know, I was like, when I saw that it was the Astros, I was like, well, I mean, I'm, again, I'm, I'm going all out. Like they, they have the best team. And obviously he started off super hot with them. And then as the season went on, he wasn't getting as many at bats. You'd see much easier to fall into a slump that way. And he just, he can never really break out of that slump. And it sucks because he's such an emotional guy. And you could see, I mean, you saw it on the Orioles. Like he would, I mean, he had no problem, you know, showing his frustration and, and, you know, it sucks that it, that that the playoff streak, you know, got to what it was. I think it was 0 for 19, and then he got that, you know, in the game when he when he had that opposite field single and he threw his hands up, you know, like he's Rocky at the top of the steps. I thought that was great. I literally, I mean, I jumped up and I'm slapping my my couch and I get a text from my wife upstairs. She's like, what happened? Well, what's going on? What was that? And I, all I said was like, oh, I'm sorry, Trey got a hit. Like that's, <laughs> so I was, I mean, I was over the moon about, about him winning, like legitimately so, so happy for him. Um, I, I, te I texted him cause I was like, dude, you were hauling ass down that first base. You wanted to catch that ball. Like, like you, like you wanted to call off Tucker, just make like the Willie Mays over the shoulder catch. Um, but yeah, I, I was super excited for him and Sarah. Like they're two of the nicest, greatest people. Um, and again, like every story you read about them is true. Every, everything they say, like 
again, like my, my brother with special needs, Trey would text me at the beginning of every year being like, if you, let me know when you guys want a batting practice ticket, they'll bring you down. Like no questions asked. Don't, don't, doesn't matter. Date, you know, he was giving me Yankees tickets this year. Like it, he's just, he's the best. He's, he's very, very nice. Um, And again, when, so when the Astros came back, I obviously met up with Sarah again and we were talking and, you know, she was like, we love Houston. We really want to stay. And now it's like, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen unless he really, really takes a discount. You know, he takes a million and a half dollar deal, $2 million deal or whatever to be a, 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 you know, platoon DH. But I'm excited to see where it goes. You know, he's officially a free agent as of today. Um, I don't think the Orioles reunion is going to happen. I don't think it should because I think it, it locks up the roster a lot more if he, if he, because he's got to be DH. Um, and, and, you know, you need that spot for Mountain Castle, for Santander, for Adley when he's not catching. So I don't think it'll happen. Um, but I, I'm very excited to see where he goes. And again, I, I mean, I'm going to root for him the rest of his career and seeing him at the parade with the, the, you know, the, the sunglasses and, and, and holding up the trophy was awesome. Just, just, uh, I, I legitimately was like grinning ear to ear. I, I just think it was so awesome. And I think it did soften the blow of the trade for a lot of Orioles fans, because again, if he would have gone to Milwaukee, they don't even make the playoffs. And you're like, what the, what the hell? Like why we should have just kept him around, you know, let him finish the season out here. Cause again, all the guy wanted to do was win here. I mean, he was the one who was like during the bad times was like, sign me to an extension. I want to be here. And again, it just didn't work out. And, for him, it worked out, you know. And again, I, I think for the or I think a lot of Orioles fans are were think they they were able to swallow that trade a little easier with with you know him at the parade on Monday holding that trophy. So it's a great point. Yeah, I, I couldn't have said any better myself. Yeah, it was hard at the time. Uh, there, there was a lot of groveling from my part about you know we st- there's there's a lot of lack of offense happening. I know a right-handed platoon DH first base corner outfielder that could probably fix that, but yeah. yeah. It but was... even, I mean, even when, when they traded him, like he wasn't hitting that well, he wasn't playing that well. And again, like yeah. I I'm thinking of it just as like a baseball standpoint where same thing, people are like, Oh, we could have used that offense. And it's like, I don't, I don't know if Trey would have been that guy. Like, cause again, like once they traded him, that's when they moved Adley up to two and they kind of tinkered with the lineup and they found that lineup. And it's like, Oh, now you can open the roster so much more. And you know, you, you could do a lot more stuff. So yeah, it sucked at the time. Especially, I mean that. I mean his last at bat at Camden Yards, the the home run off of what's his name's face. Oh no! Like I, I still. Friend of the podcast. I, I will. Josh Lowe. I will. I will probably watch that clip, maybe once a week, and just <laughs> like belly laugh when I'm watching it. And again, like watching it live, like again, again on Mo Gabba Day, I'm like tearing up writing the blog, and I'm like, dude, like I texted him, and I was like, if this is it. I mean, that's the best script that's ever been written. Like you literally smack the home run off a guy's face. And again, I mean, the catch, <laughs> the play is so ridiculous because the catcher had the ball and did the, like, he caught it and did like the slowest turn. I was like, I'm going to try it. Like he should have been out by four feet. And so I don't know, whatever it was. And I crack up every time. It was so goddamn funny, but yeah, it's, it sucked at the time. But again, I mean, now, now him with the world series, I wrote the blog today that that Paul Wall's grill guy is getting all, all the Astros grills. So if I see Trey with with grills, I, that'll just that that will be the like the image of of the century. I think that would be move, great. Over, move over Kirk Cousins. Yeah, we're we're a Josh Lowe pro podcast. So I I don't I don't have anything against him. I'm very happy that he lost the ball in the sun. I'll say that. Yeah, we will so. say that. <laughs> it's tough. Um, the play is so funny every time, it's, every it's, damn time. It's objectively very funny. <laughs> it's a bad one. It's a tough one. <laughs>
it's a tough one. Yeah, it's it's yeah, a tough it look. But again, if it was anyone, it's like, <laughs> all right, it was all on right, Mo Gavaday. It was Trey's lasted bad. Like, sure, whatever. Like, yeah, well, <laughs> at least it, like it wasn't a Robinson yeah. Chirinos like lazy fly balls. The Trey one, so it's all right. Yeah, this has been this has been great, man. Thank you so much for hopping on and talking about the Orioles off season. Um, it's gonna be exciting. Like free agency, I didn't realize it started tomorrow, so um, I'm gonna lose sleep tonight just thinking about it. So I like, I don't remember Christmas it. Eve. I don't. I really don't remember when it started. Like I don't remember it starting this soon after the World Series. I don't know if it was a lockout thing or what, but it, it may have always been just a couple of days after the World Series. But again, like as Orioles fans, it was like, oh, why, why the hell do I care? Why do we like, care? Yeah, we're not gonna do anything. Like we signed Davis to a billion dollar deal, so it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. I yeah. So I I don't know. I mean, I I don't I don't know if it's always been like this. I can't remember, but I'm I'm very excited. It's gonna be a big. I may break my thumb refreshing on Twitter just over and over and over. So it's big. Uh, it's big notification season. Ooh. So if you don't have your noties on, Bob I got Nathan Rock. Season. I got the Orioles. I got Nathan Ruiz. I got a couple of the guys. So I I suggest loading up and don't get got by Elon's fake uh, 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 verification Twitters now too. It's gonna be a rough day tomorrow. <laughs> it's gonna be a rough double, day for some double, people. Double badges. We need to pay our eight dollars. Did, did you see someone someone changed their name to the Steelers and they tweeted out and they had a check mark and they tweeted out that Kenny Pickett died. <laughs> Literally, they tw- they tweeted a picture and it's like, we uh, regretfully uh, announced the passing of Kenny Pickett, our condolences to his family. And it's like, this That's is going to go bad real quick. That's very, very quick. Like, God, I, like, you can't just Dude, let any Joe Schmo like... pay, for, pay for a badge. So, again, put your notifications on for Rock and Ruiz. Yep. And Connolly and the Orioles, and like you won't get got that way. You you won't. So it's just my it's my two cents. Twitter streets, yeah, especially this time of year. Yeah, you got to to. keep your Uh, head on a swivel. And before we get out of here, a special thank you to the band Stick Figure for allowing us to use today's intro and outro music. 